Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Robin Hyden, Executive Director of Alabama Arise. Also, the V-Team takes a look at a new surge in COVID-19 infections. And Attorney General Steve Marshall will not disclose his whereabouts leading up to the January 6th insurrection. I see nothing. I know nothing. Lion doom cough. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by research guru extraordinaire Susan Britt. Hello. And Josh Moon, columnist with APR and investigative reporter. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yes. Uh, Josh, we're going to get to it later, but uh, one of your reports ended up in court this past week. That's always fun, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, nice, we'll, right? Always nice to be in evidence and not on, on the stand. That's exactly <laughs> right. Always, that's yeah. exactly right. Well, uh, good job there. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about COVID-19, uh, uh, it seems like, forever, and we're not going to be able to stop talking about it now because nearly 65% of the state of Alabama is not vaccinated, and we're seeing a resurgence in cases, Susan, because of the Delta variant, mm-hmm. and we we have we have increased almost 200 percent in the last two right. weeks. Right, as of Tuesday, the number hit 554, which is a 194 percent increase from a month ago. We've got uh, reported to an additional 1,391 confirmed cases on Tuesday which brought us a daily average of reported cases for the week to 914, which is a 478% increase from 30 days ago. We've got children in the hospital now, which has, has risen from 9 to 22 this past week. I mean, this Delta virus is, the Delta variant is really, really taking the state by stranglehold. I mean, Josh, the people that have been vaccinated, there are uh, people that are reported to have uh, contracted COVID-19, but they're not in the hospital. The people that are in the hospital, the people that are getting very sick are those who have not been vaccinated. But we've talked to her blue in the face. The state has done everything with, which would seemingly be important. Uh, but still, the vaccination rate is almost dead last, if not dead last in the United States. Yeah, the last check, it was dead last still. I don't, I don't know what else needs to be said. Um, you know, I, I wrote a column about this, about, uh, you know, almost being willing to give KIV a pass. Um, you know, I, I think it does matter if, if some of these Republicans will come out, uh, as you're kind of seeing now more and more, as they slowly start to realize what, what we're facing again, because... Let me tell you, it, you know, I think people focus a lot on the shutdown that happened uh, last year. And, uh, you know, that with or without that, uh, if we have another outbreak like we had last year, businesses are going to suffer. 
schools are going to suffer. School children are going to suffer. It looks like children, which scares the hell out of me as a parent of a three-year-old, um, you know, are, are already having a bigger problem with this variant of the virus than they were with the coronavirus that we dealt with last year, that strain. So, uh, you know, if we don't get this under control, it doesn't matter if some government official comes out and puts things in lockdown or not. We're going to have a huge, huge economic and, and health catastrophe on our hands. Well, business owners will be forced to lock down because they don't have, they're sick or they don't have employees or they don't have customers. And I mean, let's not forget, there was a five-year-old in Texas that died from this this last week. Right. And, and Five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, right. Customers will not go. Yeah, yeah, that's what, and that's, you know, they saw all this in countries that didn't lock down, you know, for a while there, I believe it was Sweden that was the, uh, you know, everybody pointed to from right, the anti-vaccination right, right, crowd. Right, right, right. Uh, and we've seen from them, from their data, that they suffered much longer uh, and much more severely than the folks who did lock down. So, yeah, you yeah. know, if we don't do this, and 99% of the people who are in hospitals and who are dying from this are unvaccinated, yeah, I don't know yeah. what else you need to see. Well, obviously, we now are living in a divided state and a divided nation, and it's divided along the lines of those who have received the vaccine and those and, who have not. And we're talking about divided on a health issue. It's a health issue, not a political issue, people. But, but I'm so concerned that the people that are anti-vax are just going to stand their ground and not move. I just don't, I don't know that there's any way you can change I don't think at this point, even uh, former President Donald Trump could come out and say, Who's been vaccinated? Who's vaccinated? I know. By that very beautiful vaccine. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't think that would even change people's minds at this point. I really don't. I want to go on to something else here. Uh, You know, uh, talking about people whose minds can't change. Change. Mo Brooks's mind is like concrete. It's all mixed up and permanently set. Uh, but Mo Brooks, this uh, recently came out, and uh, Fort Rucker, uh, Army base here in Alabama, the Army brass said, "Look, if you're if you you can't prove you were vaccinated, you're going to have to wear a mask on base." Seems like a reasonable thing to say. If you're not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask on base. Well, Mo Brooks came out, and he's smarter than the military brass. And he said that these, the military was, was, you know, infringing on their liberty and that they should be able to go into the base, whether they're vaccinated or not, and not wear a mask. Now, I don't think Mo understands much about- Well, he, dra- he dodged the draft, so he really doesn't know much about the military. He doesn't know much about the military because basically when you volunteer or you're drafted into the military, mm-hmm. you don't have any rights. You have they, a, they owned your entire body. Yeah. It's not just your service. They actually physically own your body. Well, you are the militaries. But, but you, like, yeah, like yeah, and, and, you know, and the, the, the big thing, though, with the military is that they they don't they don't get involved in all of this politics and all that kind of no, stuff. They, it's no, no, it's no. what do we do? What's the safest way? The most most effective way? How do we keep the fighting force safe? And this is the way that you know they looked at the data and they looked at the stats and said, you know, listen, we're not going to require you to get the vaccine, but if you don't get the vaccine, then you're going to wear this mask so you don't infect everybody else and we don't have an outbreak on this base that could possibly kill some of the people that are fighting for the country, which seems yeah, like yeah. a very reasonable thing to say, right? It does. I, I know this week there was a report where uh, Senator Shelby said that uh, he didn't think that Mo Brooks was very qualified and he thought he was irrational and 
and Mo came out and said, well, he was very rational and he'd been fighting, he's fighting the swamp. And that he also said that he had been elected to public office more than anyone in the state of Alabama. Now, how can, I mean, Josh, how do you fight the Smells swamp? Smells like an alligator if, if to you've me. Been, if, you've been, uh, if you've been in the swamp longer than anybody else or elected to the swamp. I've never understood the logic of Mo Brooks, and I won't even try to. Uh, but I will say, Richard Shelby would beat him by 40 points. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. beat him by 40 points. And I just yeah. why, you know, what swamp, man? I don't know, Susan. What about the alligators? He he seems like an alligator to me. He's been there so long. He's one of those big ones, like you see yeah. down in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, one of those big ones with the big mouth yeah. that's always Yapping. doing All right. that. Well, yeah. that's going to have to be the last word on that. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. Crocodile tears. <laughs> Your career isn't a job, it's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things, and you're in charge of how fast and how far you want to go. At alabamaworks.com, you can connect with employers and start working right now. Then chart your path forward with training and career planning tools. That next paycheck is great, but it's only the beginning. Start a great success story at alabamaworks.com. So you got caught speeding. But this time you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Robin Hyden with Alabama Arise. Robin, thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. I have to say that your group does so much good, and it's such hard work. But I talk to people through this, at the State House who, who constantly say that y'all are the hardest working advocacy group in Alabama. I don't know if that's true or not, but y'all do work very hard. Could you tell our viewers a little bit about what you do? Thank you for the compliment, Bill. Um, Alabama Arise is an anti-poverty coalition, so we have plenty of work to do. That's why we've been working at it for so long. For 33 years, we have worked to address poverty at the state legislature. We are a nonpartisan, nonprofit coalition. We are faith-based groups, civic groups, nonprofit groups and individuals united in our belief that Alabama could do better to reduce poverty. And sometimes our state policies are not doing enough. Um, we're not doing what we should do to make life better for all of our citizens. You know, people like me and other commentators and I guess politicians as well, sometimes talk about that uh, poor people do not have lobbyists, but y'all really are the lobbyists for the poor in our state, aren't you? I had to call you out on that because that's <laughs> our role. You know, lobbyists don't have a great uh, reputation sometimes, right. but we view it as a really important duty 
that every time our people, people in poverty, are being discussed at the state house, we need to be at the table. Poor people need to be at the table. We view it as our job to bring citizen lobbyists into the state house, to demystify the process, to introduce them to their lawmakers. Um, and our role is to, in any way we can, to make sure all of our state legislators and our state representatives know there are poor people in every community in our state, and it's their job to do better by those people. Well, and you can correct me anytime I'm wrong about the needs of our people, and especially those that are less fortunate and, and need a helping hand and a leg up. Uh, I know there's a lot of issues that are on your agenda. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and you and I have talked about this, is how the money is going to be spent from the American uh, Rescue Act, I think, or Rescue Plan. And that's billions of dollars, and uh, Alabama's getting a lot of money. And what I worry about is, are we going to try to spend it on prisons or new buildings for the, the legislature? But what are, what are your thoughts on how this money should be spent? We recently released our recommendations for principles for spending the rescue plan money. That is $4 billion that our state legislators are going to have access to deciding Four how billion. that money is spent. $2 billion is going to the state. $2 billion is going to city and local governments. Okay. Um, there are tremendous opportunities. We are looking at what will help the most vulnerable people in our state. So we know that rural residents, uh, black people and people of color in our state, women, unemployed people, they have been the most directly hurt by the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. They're still suffering. If you check out our State of Working Alabama report, which we released earlier this year, it's on our website, allarise.org, um, you can view the data on just who is still struggling to recover. These funds are supposed to help those citizens. So instead of building new prisons, which we know citizens of this state have made very clear, that's not where we wanna spend our money, our federal money, our state money, our local money. Let's spend that on things like childcare. Let's spend it on public transportation, housing. There's about to be a tremendous eviction crisis when the eviction moratorium expires. All of these issues that we have pushed for years at the state level to say we can invest so much more in state dollars, we could draw down so much more in federal dollars if we would just make these things a priority. So those things are outlined in our recommendations, which you can find on our website as well. Um, and we know that healthcare is another tremendous opportunity where this is a healthcare crisis. It's a crisis of public health. We believe there are so many opportunities to expand Medicaid and invest in our healthcare infrastructure that were also made possible through the rescue plan. Well, and the you know the Biden administration is working on this now, and and and, and the Congress is working on it as well. For the remaining 12 states that have failed to expand Medicaid, there is a plan to pay for this. Uh, you know, to have the first two years completely paid for, even though we've squandered time and money that should have been invested in this. Yeah, and it's easy to look back and say what might have been because we've been asking our state to expand Medicaid for, right. you know, almost 10 years since the Affordable Care Act was passed. But let's look at what could be. You know, we now have more money on the table to support Medicaid expansion than ever has been made available. So I think a lot of our lawmakers are still operating under old assumptions that, oh, we missed the window of opportunity, there was way more money um, and we lost it. No, the rescue plan put a lot more money back on the table for Alabama and our governor to say, let's do this our way. Let's do the Medicaid expansion or the healthcare proposal that will serve our needs the best. Um, and we still think it's possible. You know, it's, it's uh, we don't wanna look back again 
in eight or nine years and say, what could have been if we had just taken this brave step? The other thing that I know you briefly hit on it, we've got about two minutes left to talk about this, and I think it's important, is that Governor Ivey and the legislature is trying to work on a plan, another plan, to build three new prisons. Uh, our prisons are overcrowded. They are unsafe. They are unconstitutional. They are hell holes, just to put it bluntly. I've been to three of them. You see the need in the state far beyond what prisons could do, don't you? Absolutely. So one thing I should have said about Arise is our agenda comes from our members. We don't have a bunch of policy analysts or board members sitting in a room deciding what's important. Our members tell us. And for years, our members have said, if we want to address poverty in our state, yes, we need to invest in health care. We need to invest in the safety net. We need to provide more consumer protections. We need to protect voting rights. But criminal justice reforms are always key and have been on our agenda for a long time. And that doesn't mean building new prisons or giving more money to the police. What it means to us is investing in mental health, in community courts, in diversion programs so that our communities really are safer, that we're investing in people's ability to protect themselves and their community. And we're not just locking people up and throwing away the key. Right. So, you know, I know that the Ivy administration is looking into whether they can use rescue plan money to build new prisons. We feel like if, if you're gonna do that, that is not gonna solve any of our problems. And we will hope to see sentencing reforms, repealing our three strikes law. We would hope to see more investments in community services and programs to actually help people instead of just throwing them somewhere where we can't see them and, and you know, letting their prisons rot away for 30 years. Well, I want to thank you for coming to join us today. And these are issues that are not Democrat issues or Republican issues. These are human issues. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for all the hard work. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Our special guest today has been Robin Hyden with Alabama Rise. We'll be right back. Thank you. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice. Managing your time, communicating effectively, and working as part of a team are key skills that employers value. At alabamaworks.com, you can find out how to build on your experience to up your game and get the job you really want because it's out there. Start your new success story at alabamaworks.com. Sponsored by Alabama Works, the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Alabama's Attorney General uh, Steve Marshall was, is, leads the Rule of Law Defense Fund, part of RAGA, the Republican Attorney General's Association, that paid for robocalls to get people in the right place uh, for the January 6th uh, riot that... Uh, Insurgency. Ins the insurrection that took over the capital of the United States. Uh, his part in that is unclear, but he is the head of that organization. Uh, this past week, Alabama re political reporters uh, requested his calendar. 
excuse me, for the days leading up to the, the insurrection and days following it. We were given a, a letter back from the Attorney General's office that said those dates and his whereabouts could not be uh, released because of security matters. Susan, what security? That was seven months ago. What security got to do with anything? There is a, 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 a I call it a rumor because that's all we know at this point, that he was actually at Marlago for the planning of the insurrection. But now when he's asked to account for his whereabouts during that time frame, oh, it's security. That's just a nice excuse for, I don't want y'all to know where I was. Josh, we, we've asked for a lot of uh, uh, public records requests before. Never heard that excuse, right? Well, I, listen, I, I think he's, he's telling the truth. It is a security issue. It's, uh, I mean, although I think it's the security is uh, his security and being able to maintain that office. Uh, <laughs> out where he was. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'll say this. It's, it's a nonsense excuse, and they know that, and they've been covering this up. But maybe, you know, listen, I, I expect any day now that Steve Marshall is going to get right to the bottom of that investigation into Steve Marshall. So, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, that he's carrying out. And so maybe in that investigation, we can find out where he was. I, it's it's ludicrous. I mean, it is. It's just ludicrous. You know, I think what I think what he was doing was he was probably doing some career coaching is probably what he was doing. Yeah, with an intern or two. Career coaching. I want to move on. Uh, Josh, your story about the... Uh, Trent Willis, who has been accused of uh, taking $100,000 in campaign uh, money from uh, Richie Horton. That's Which an allegation. Steve Marshall won't investigate. Uh, and for three years, Steve Marshall's office did not investigate it. Uh, now, the uh, Sheriff Blakely up in Limestone County is on trial. And one of the star witnesses was Trent Willis. Yeah, right. It's a uh, shocking. Uh, it's it, man. It, it was one of the weirder things, and one of the one of the more underhanded things I've ever seen a, a, a state agency do, or you know, the, the attorney general's office do in a, in a case like that, was to essentially hide an investigation of, of a key witness, and then as soon as they had finished. Uh, questioning that witness then as admitted that they had the investigation going on so he could then start pleading the fifth uh, to all the questions that the defense might ask him but um you know that that trial is a mess all, from the very beginning from when the judge started blocking the uh the press and the public from seeing the jury selection uh all the way up through that now there's, there's other allegations of witness tampering or intimidation i should say uh it, it just has been uh, really a circus up there and i following it closely for the last few days with some folks from AL.com and the local TV stations up in Huntsville that have done a great job covering it. Uh, it's, it, it is a, I don't, I don't know how they can convict a guy who's as popular as Mike Blakely there on what they have before the jury. I'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong. Not at all. I believe he absolutely broke the law in, in a lot of instances, but I, what they have presented so far, I've got some real questions as to whether or not that jury up there is going to ever convict him of those things. Well, they, uh, they, they were asked by the defense, did they have any, any of their witnesses who were currently under investigation, Susan, and, and they said no. Well, that's because Steve Marshall is not actually investigating a case he's had for three years. Well, actually, it turns out that they, they had to admit that Trent Wall, Willis was under investigation. Oh, yeah, there's no Judge wasn't none there. too happy, as we say down here in the South. I think the biggest problem in the Blakely thing is he's Democrat. Yeah. And Steve Marshall goes after only Democrats in public office, never Republicans. He's been presented cases time and time again, and he, he, he will not even hear them. Well, Josh, it's a mess, but 
Nothing made national news like a uh, uh, councilman up in uh, Tarrant, Alabama, a city out in Jefferson County, about 6,000 plus. And uh, during a, uh, a council meeting uh, with the mayor and the council together, one of these guys, uh, what, what's, what's his name, John Bryan, a council member, stood it up and started uh, flinging the N-bomb like uh, he was at a KKK rally. Yeah, I, man, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I just, how do people, I, I can't even express it. I, how do people stand up and say that in, in 2021? I don't, I mean, and then uh, the, to make it worse was just refuse to apologize and refuse to, to offer any, any resignation or, or anything. It just doesn't, I don't understand how in this day and age, a, a white man stands up or any really any man stands up in the middle of a public hearing like that, or, you know, a public presentation of a board and says the N word out like that. I, I just don't. And I mean, I know his excuse is he was quoting the mayor because the mayor had said something in a private session. Um, and, and the mayor is black, right? The mayor is black. Mayor is black. black yes. And, 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 you know, and, and the mayor, he said the mayor was being derogatory towards another council member. I, I, but I still, I, Come on, y'all. Well, he also he attacked uh, Muslims and homosexuals. So obviously, he's a he's a, a, a equal opportunity racist. Uh, so there you go, Susan. Uh, oddly enough, the Democrats uh, called for uh, Mr. Bryant's resignation, and then some forty-eight hours later, the Republican Party also called for the, Mr. The, uh, Al Gott condemned him twice yeah. for that, uh, and and you know. I'm, I want Josh. It's just outrageous. Even if you're quoting somebody, there's a way of doing that where you don't actually drop that word. That word should well, never if, be heard again. Well, if you watch the video, though, he doesn't sound like he's quoting someone. Probably not. Most <laughs> most likely not. I mean, he, like you said, equal uh, opportunity racist. Yeah. I think, Josh, uh, you know, it took the ALGOP, the Alabama Republican Party, a, a minute to come to the conclusion that this was a bad idea to have one of their guys up there slinging the N-bomb like it was candy at Mardi Gras. But uh, they came around and did the right thing, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, that, that's encouraging. Maybe maybe we're getting to that point where, you know, we can at least get on the same page about this. But, I mean, really, it's not that hard to be to be kind and, and, and gracious to people and to, and, and to not be this offensive with folks. I mean, it's really not. It's not hard at all. All right, well, that's going to have to be the last word. You've been watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.